This is episode 107 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Brett Wilson. Brett is the owner and creative director at Skydance Mountain Audiobooks, a full-service audiobook production company based in Colorado. He is also a podcast host and producer for various businesses and organizations, including the Rocky Mountain Channel and Sullivandale Guest Ranch. He and his wife, Melissa, are passionate about books and all things equestrian. Their favorite date nights are spent at Barnes & Noble. When not riding or working with their horses, a Mustang, and an Arabian, they can be found hiking on a trail somewhere in the Rockies with their dogs, Milo and Delilah. Saddle up for a conversation about all things audiobooks. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I have a special guest on the show. Brett Wilson is here to talk to us about audiobooks and audiobook production. So hi, Brett. Welcome to the show. Hi, Carly. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. You know, this community is so incredible. Like, I'm always talking about authors uniting and and it's amazing the people that you meet just from knowing each other and being a part of the community. Margie Evans, who is a fellow horse book author who's been on the show a couple of times, actually connected us. So we're going to talk about some of the work you've done with her as well. But as people know, how I always like to start the show off and Brett's got a cool story is talking about how horses have touched your life. So Brett, talk to us about horses. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite part of the show, by the way. <laughs> As I've been binge watching, I watch this part first. Well, my horse story starts back in a long time ago. I won't say what year, but I was 10 years old and I talked my parents into getting me a horse. Uh, well, first of all, they said, if you want a horse, you're going to have to take lessons. And so they bought me about a year's worth of horseback riding lessons. And it was all English. Uh, I lived in Maryland, grew up in Maryland, English equestrian. And a year went by pretty darn fast because I loved taking the lessons. I mean, I really, I, I, you know, most of the time you hear about girls love horses. Well, this boy loved a horse and uh, they found the perfect horse for me. Uh, when I was 11, my dad said, okay, uh, for your, uh, just before I turned 11, he said, for your 11th birthday, we'll get you a horse, but you have to build the fence. And so we had two acres that I took and he, he made me do it all myself. <laughs> and I built a, an electric fence for around two acres. And the day it was done, we did it like in two weeks or less in the summertime. And uh, the day it was done, they, they backed up a horse trailer. My dad met somebody who had the perfect horse. She was a half quarter Half quarter horse, quarter thoroughbred, quarter Arab, oh, wow. and her name was Princess. And I Aww. had I had met her before, and I had ridden her before, and, and trusted her. Didn't know what the heck I was doing, Carly. I was just crazy. <laughs> Back to the trailer, and I just took a the lead rope. And I loved uh, Native Americans. American Indians were my thing back then. I wanted to always move out west. And so I put it on, you know how they put the lead rope under there or like a, a rope under there, like a bit. Mm-hmm. 
with no saddle. This is crazy. I can't believe I did this, but with no saddle, I jumped on her, ran up the hill and she was great. And then we turned around and came back down. My parents are still standing by the trailer <laughs> and we had to have little white ribbon, ribbons, little uh, sheets tied around the electric fence so you could see it because it's not a big visible thing. And she must have seen it at the last second and stopped, but I didn't. And I went flying off of her into the electric fence, <laughs> got up shaky and I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. I was afraid the trailer's still there. They might take her back. Mm -hmm. that was my first introduction into owning my own horse. And uh, it was only uphill from there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's an amazing story. What is crazy is that's what where I got my first um, that's where I had my first paying job is as a 12 year old, I, I taught all the neighborhood kids how to horseback ride for $3 for a half hour lesson. Oh so, <laughs> again, didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I knew I loved horses and I wanted to just be around them. That's amazing. And you know, I think the world needs more cowboys. I love hearing these stories yes. about men getting into their horses because you know, there are a lot of women. That's where all the girls are. You made the right yeah. decision. It's funny. When you first get a horse, nobody knows what they're doing, right? I, my story parallels. I was 10 when I had my first horse and we didn't know what we were doing, but man, do they teach you so many they lessons. Do. Yeah. Yes. And you have a new addition to your herd. Do you want to talk? Yes. Yeah. Yes. My wife and I over the years have gone through about a dozen different horses looking for ones for our daughter and for us for trail riding. And she's really into endurance riding. Melissa is. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we've gone through a lot of horses and we were down to one Arab and that was her horse Colo, her baby she, since she'd had for, I don't know, 10 years or, or more. And, uh, and we have a friend where we're boarding Colo who said, I have a Mustang that I just acquired. It's a devil's garden Mustang. Uh, hasn't been ridden, barely been handled. If you want it, it's yours. And I was like, heck yes. I want to, I, I told what's really crazy is about Oh, maybe a month or two before that, I told Melissa, someday I would love to get and train a Mustang. Well, she's always learning. She's the real horse person in our family. I mean, she knows what's going on. She studies horses. She would claim that she doesn't because the, no, the more you know, the, the more you know you don't know. And it's her. And so uh, we've had him for about two months now. And she got on him about three weeks ago and has had three rides on him already. And I with one, this last time, this last weekend without me leading. So he, he's just a willing little horse. Hunkapi is his name, or we call him Huni. It means I am one with everything in, I think it's Lakota. Oh, I love that. That is such a great he's, story. He's a sweetheart. I, we just love him. Isn't it funny how the universe works like that? You put it out into the world that you're, you would love to one day own a Mustang. And then what, a week later, one enters yes, your life? I had never really thought that before. I, I you know, I, I, any horse is good from to me, but mm -hmm. I, I said that out loud to Melissa. So, like you said, you put it out there and watch what you look for. <laughs> right, exactly. Words create your world. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's amazing, and that so complements your love of the West too. To have a Mustang, and yes. uh, was did she did she adopt him uh, through one of the programs or or purchase? She him? did. Uh, I can't remember which one. Another interesting story. Tomorrow we're leaving to go up to Rock Springs, Wyoming, and pick up. Uh, she's going to pick another one, so we get to be there and watch this this gal pick one out, and uh, just making an overnight road trip to do it oh my gosh you have to make a video of that so people can follow yes. the journey that would be really cool that's uh, cool great yeah. idea yeah we'll <laughs> <laughs> so you know I've had a lot of guests on the show but I have not yet had someone uh, with the experience to really talk and dive deep about audiobooks so I'm so glad you're here today I wanted to, to talk a little bit so you are in the business of audiobook production from start to finish Skydance Mountain Books helps authors design, create, produce, publish 
market and sell their audiobooks. This is so exciting. Tell us a little bit about your business and some of the services that you offer. You offer a lot. Yeah, thank you. So we we some of what we offer is connected with other like book shepherds and that. So we make sure everybody is covered well. But Skydance Mountain Audiobooks is a we try to be a full service stop one stop for independent authors and publishers because it's a scary world out there. Not just scary, but overwhelming. If you ever go on Voices.com, for instance, mm-hmm. it says we have over two million voices to choose from from over 160 countries. I don't even know where to begin with that. I don't know how to start. I And I know authors are creatives and they don't want to be pulled into something. They want to be guided gently. And so I just thought, well, let's let's create a friendly, a safe and friendly place environment where people feel like they are in a one-on-one. And, you know, we're not a big production company. We are expanding, but we're not a big uh, company where you don't get to talk. You, you call the phone number and you get a voicemail. Mm. So we try to be very personal personalized and and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Oh, that's so amazing. And another thing I wanted to mention while while I have you too, we're going to dive a little deeper into audiobooks uh, in a second, but you also offer book trailer and meet the author video production. Do you want to talk a little bit about those two services too? Sure. Then then we'll swing back over to audiobooks. (laughs) That's a side service. So I do work with the Rocky Mountain channel here. It's a, it's a nature company. Uh, and and I, quality video is really important to me. Just, you know, I'm around it all the time. And I, I do a podcast for their the channel. And and they the guy that does the production there worked with Disney. And so I was impressed right away with anything I do. I wanted to just to, to be really quality. Sometimes you see these book trailers that you can tell they took uh, Unsplash video or Unsplash pictures, downloaded them, and then just tried to make a little story around them. And that's okay. That's better than nothing, I guess. But I, I, we wanted to... Um, offer a service where the it really represents the book and the author well. And so uh, the only downside is the cost for, it would be either for travel or if you live in Colorado and close by, well, we can get with you. Because I think the author should be, unless they'd rather not be in the picture, I think the author should be a major part of it and tell their story along with the book because it's their their creative spirit coming out and you want to capture that with these videos oh, and trailers. That- that is so cool. That's a great offering. And I really like the concept of the meet the author videos. You know, it just really tells the story of, of who is this person, right? Because a lot of authors, you know, they're behind the scenes. So people don't yeah. get to know, you know, who they are. And, they, and I believe readers like to connect with the author in that way and get to know them better. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. So I already mentioned that Margie introduced us by way of my podcast, which is really yes. two fellow podcasters meeting. Tell us how, like, how did you get into working with authors on their audio? Because I know you, you were telling me earlier, your background, you, you do a lot with music and, and other things. How did it come around to authors? Well, I think it, it goes way back to, first of all, my love for horses and books. Those, that's incredible. That That's even more of a blessing that we that I found you. Because as a kid, I grew up, uh, I think I was 13. My uncle, my favorite uncle gave me a couple books. He gave me the Chronicles of Narnia and mm. Lord of the Rings. And I loved them so much that I actually tried, can't believe I did this either. I took a, you know, one of those old time cassette recorders and I started recording Lord of the Rings <laughs> in my own voice as a 13 or 14 year old. And then thought, this is an overwhelming job. I'd rather just read the books. (laughs) 
years later, let's see, it was back in 2010. I just, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was doing some podcasting and I just noticed that audiobooks are really cool. You know, I love books on tape and would listen to my favorite stories and while traveling or whatever, and you can pick those up at Cracker Barrel or whatever. And so mm -hmm. it was already a love of mine. And we, I just wanted to create one. And I saw somebody asking, I was a publisher, an independent publisher here in Colorado that had some really cool historic fiction. And so I reached out to them and said, Hey, would you like an audiobook? I mean, just reached out. Would you like an audiobook of your story, of any of your stories? And they said, sure. It was Filter Press here in Palmer, Colorado. And a nice, nice couple, older couple who owned the company. And they gave me a shot at it. And it wasn't just an audiobook, but it was an enhanced audiobook with music and sound effects. And again, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. It turned out good, but I got way underpaid only because I asked for less than I should have <laughs> doing it. But it was, it was a labor of love. And then um, two books later, Somehow, and I don't remember exactly how we found Margie, but her book, Behind the Mist, uh, she wanted an audiobook of that. A great little uh, story for young adult or young readers, I should say, uh, fantasy. And so we had a, a reader who was my mother-in-law, actually, grew up in, uh, she was in Texas, and her husband was a drive-time DJ, um, you know, in the 70s. And he was well-connected, and he had gotten her into doing acting and voice acting. She's got an excellent voice. She did the, the voiceover for this as well as the, uh, and then I did the sound effects. And it was an adventure again. And I, I was so grateful to Margie for giving me that opportunity to brought more books of the same kind of uh, genre. And I, again, the West and horses are, are one of our biggest niches. <laughs> high five. I'm all about yeah, the West and the horses. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, and, and that's, that's such a cool story. And I love how you mentioned, isn't it funny how the things that we loved when we were young and some of the things that we did actually can parallel. There's like a line from where we, from where we were to where we wind up in our lives. You were you were recording yes. your own audiobook with a little handheld tape recorder way back when. And now look at what you're doing. You're like doing full scale production with sound effects and voice talent and music for people's audiobooks. And Isn't that just, crazy? I think it's so neat. I think it's you know you got to really look like what did I love. And where is it still inserted in my life? You know, I don't really think we ever deviate from those passions, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think for the younger members of your, your audience as well here, Carly, maybe that is a very good lesson to, if you're still kind of wondering, you know, exactly where you should be or feeling a little like you're wandering, <laughs> wandering and wondering, look, like you said, look back at what it was that you really loved when you were growing up, because I bet you the, the passion was always hiding somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's like you mentioned, horses have always been there for you and music and, and books and it's all come full in the West and it's all come full yeah. circle and it's still there. Same for me, writing horses, you know, that it's just, it's always been there. Even if you divert from it, somehow it widens back up in your life, I think. Absolutely. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about this audio revolution. Like I know, like I know more, more and more people are moving to listening to their books rather than reading their books. Have you really, have you noticed that? Can you comment on that at all? Like, what do you think is, is happening now? And where do you think it's going to go with audio? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I had reached out to a few different people a few years ago you know, when I saw the audiobook industry growing and I said, new authors, and I said, hey, you know, your book would make a, I've, I've previewed it. Your book would make a great audiobook, And they kind of looked like I had said we should make them, I don't know, a, a banana with peanut butter on it or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. But what does that have to do with my book right now? They didn't, they didn't catch the, 
the relevance of it, or or that would be cool, or maybe maybe I should say that it was more like saying you should make a movie out yeah. of your book. And well, some of them were like, that's cool, but you know, a I can't afford it. B I don't know if it would sell. And right now, I'm just happy writing. Uh, it's turned around the last couple of years where people that I had reach, originally reached out to are calling me and asking and saying, hey, I'm ready to do it. People, our veterinarian, I, I think it was two years ago, I saw that he had a book and had talked to him. In fact, he gave it to us to read. That's how I found out. And I said, hey, this would make an, a great audio book. And, and we met at Starbucks and talked about it. Well, last year he called and said, I have my second book coming out and I want to make both of them audio books. And I was just thrilled because it's, it's called, in fact, I'll, I'll give a little shameless plug for this one too. It's uh, Dr. Suit here in Colorado. And he wrote two books. This is book two. I think we lent out book one. It's called uh, Finding James Harriet. This one is the sequel, Monkey Bars. And it's about a small town vet. Well, as somebody who graduates from, from vet school, immediately has big dreams of go, going to the, the fancy glitzy vet clinic, you know, being called there in California near the beach. Instead, <laughs> he gets called to Bertie, Oklahoma and has to deal with small town everything. And it's just a hilarious and, and more heartwarming uh, book. Anyway, I got a little down a rabbit hole, but I wanted to, to promote his book as well. <laughs> it, it's so cool to see this audiobook revolution taking off. It's now at um, almost $2.7 billion industry. And they're saying it's only expected to grow for the next five years, for sure, up until 2027. Bigger than eBooks, Kindle books, it's, it's a big industry. We just are happy to be riding the wave of it right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Like your timing is perfect. And I love that your focus is on independent authors and independent publishers. I mean, we 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 need support just as much as the big guys. So it's like really yeah. great that you've got that that family welcoming, friendly feel. I really appreciate that. Would you agree that maybe the podcast thing kind of opened up the space a lot more for audiobooks? Because I hear you like on family road trips or whatever, go to the library, check out the books on tape, and it's the best way to do a long road trip. But do you, do you think more people now are comfortable with audio given the availability of podcasts? Yeah, when the uh, the Apple CarPlay came out, um, it seemed like a lot more people started just doing listening to what they wanted to, not just the radio. Mm -hmm. Even before that, that was happening. But the podcasting, it, it was a natural bridge between you know listening to what you liked into, oh man, I love this book. I love this series. Going back, and I, of course, I bought all three Lord of the Rings on Audible right <laughs> away, well acted out. But yeah, it, it has definitely led to a, a new revolution in listening. I think, you know, they were, I heard somebody talking about the fact that when COVID hit, they were afraid that all the drive time listening would just drop off and audiobooks would not be that relevant anymore. And, and, and they did for about the first month. I, I don't know what happened between March and April. And then all of a sudden they picked up and people started listening just in, in leisure in their easy chairs at home or of course at the gym when they could go there or working in the yard. But it was a, it's incredible that it not only picked up, but it's going higher and higher uh, as a industry. Yeah, that's so exciting. It's like a movie for your ears rather than it your is. eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it makes it three-dimensional, uh, the story. If the narration is done right, and if it's a good story to begin with. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's kind of what I, I wanted to talk to you about here. Now, well, first, I want to I cover this one, because this is something that I've often heard other authors say. A lot of independent author, any author really, is, is kind of struggling to make ends meet and, you know, grow their revenue until they have, you know, a lot of books in their backlist. What would you say to a financially nervous author about making an investment in producing an audiobook? 
That's a good question. And I, I have a heart for, again, the independent authors. Uh, we're not all, you know, rich and, and can afford to do that. But I think I would say the same thing I would say to a friend who wanted to write a book, but thought, you know, I don't have the money to publish it or whatever. It's it's your dream. It's your baby. The audiobook industry is is growing. I would encourage them to figure out a way uh, to to do it. Of course, do some shopping around. I love what Mandy, uh, last, last episode you had out, Mandy... <laughs> Mandy Flanders, Flanders yes. Yes, yeah, said the, the three, the th- rule of three, and I, I invite people to do that with us too, is check out three different um, voiceover artists, three different companies, if you can, and find out who gives you the best rate and, and will treat you like family mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, give you what you're looking for. But there's crowdfunding. There's, you know, there's other ways. Artists are creative. We can get creative with our, our, our books and our audiobooks as well. And just don't give up on that dream. If you really believe in it and want to do it, um, you'll figure out a way. You've figured out how to write your book and release it in the first place. So, mm-hmm. And that's that's the funny thing, too. I mean, once once you write a book, there are expenses that go along with it. And you want to give it as much that intellectual property, as much reach as it possibly can with a paperback yeah. and a and a ebook. And now audio has become such a big deal. It's an investment made. And within time, and hopefully you will earn that money back as more and more people discover your books and love it and recommend it. And then hopefully that income comes back to you, but it is an investment in your, in your creative future. I, yes, I think. Yeah. And audiobooks, books, uh, you, you make more royalties than you do on a Kindle or an ebook. Is that right now? So you've released uh, audiobooks. Did you find that to be true as well? Uh, yeah, yes, actually, my, my audiobooks sell very, very well. The, uh, the problem for me has been, though, that it takes a while for me to get the audiobook out after the release of the others. And sometimes people just want to chomp at the bit and read the series so much they go there. But I've had I've had readers actually buy the audiobook after having bought the book because they like the listening experience too. So it's just another stream of revenue. It's another way to bring to bring money in, and it's a it's a way also that you're not alienating other readers. Maybe you know. They, they're having a hard time reading anymore, or, you know, they prefer the audio format rather than reading. It's like a, you can open yourself up to a whole new audience of readers as well by having an audiobook. Wow. I'd be interested if you don't mind me asking Carly, how, how was your audiobook production experience? How did you find it? And what made you decide to do that? Because that's kind of what um, you know, people are looking at. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, uh, well, now we're, see, you're a podcaster. So you know, you're interviewing <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm happy to answer the question. That's funny. So, so my, my journey was a little bit different, I think, than probably someone who maybe would, would come and work with you because, I, you know, I was looking around on your website and I, I think you're reasonable. I think you've got great packages. Like if I didn't already have my narrator, I would likely come to you and maybe I will in my next series. But what happened was, I'm going to try and make this quick. I, I'm really big into lifting up dreamers or people with a creative passion. So years ago, when I was first writing In the Reigns, my first book in my series, I was on a bus at a work function heading to um, some sort of conference. And I was sitting next to a woman who is friends with another woman that worked at my company. And they introduced us. And you know, we just got to talking because it was a long bus ride. I told her I was writing a book. She said, oh my gosh, I always wanted to do audiobooks. My dream is to be a voice narrator. Uh, I, I really would like to do this. She had already been doing some commercials for our company. She was the voice in our commercials. And I had heard her voice. I, I mean, she, she was fantastic. And I was like, you would be a perfect fit for my book. And we talked to each other and we worked out a deal. And I said, do you just, she'd never done one before. She, I was like, she was familiar with the equipment and things. So do you want to just give this a whirl? 
And she was like, yeah, I want to give it a whirl. So we gave it a whirl together and we had to figure out a lot of things on our own, like, you know, the specifications and, and things like that. But overall, uh, she's to me, she's worth waiting for because she's got a full-time job and a family and all this stuff. It takes a while. It takes me a while to get an audiobook out, but, but I'm giving her a platform to build her resume. And, you know, I think maybe I probably got mine produced a little bit lower on the financial investment side, just because it was a friend and we were both giving yeah. each other a shot. So there's a lot of magical ways you can make things happen. And, and for me, this was how I made my audiobooks happen. Thanks for asking That's, the question. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing because I learned from, uh, from authors, especially successful ones who are doing it. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you if you found that listening to, or I don't know if you read your books out loud, helped your writing at all. I, I know with authors, especially new ones I've talked to before said it was so interesting because I felt like I wrote in short little sentences, you know what I mean? And, and instead it made you realize you need to bury up your sentences mm -hmm. and your, your, the, the, the length of each paragraph or whatever, not just so what it would sound like out loud, not just, you know, what it sounds like in your, in your brain head. when you're reading it in your head. Absolutely. Actually, that's something that I always recommend to other authors, uh, even if you're not intending to write an audiobook, to read it out loud or have someone read it out loud to you because it does sound different when it's uh, spoken aloud as opposed to just sitting with the manuscript and looking at it over a computer or, or even on paper. It sounds yeah. different. The thing I noticed, I was able to uh, notice a lot of repetitive words that I had used uh, throughout my my first book but I'm I'm pretty lucky my husband actually reads the book to me after I've finished I'll spend a little bit of time away from it and then you know every night before we go to bed he'll read me a few chapters so I can just sit there and process it and make notes so I would that's a that's a really good point you just made it's very important to not only read your book but listen to your book even if you're yeah. not doing audio to, to listen to the rhythm of it too. It, there can be a beautiful rhythm in writing and, and that's the way you hear it and notice it. Mm -hmm. I 100%. love it. And you're lucky to have your husband be able to do that. That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm lucky I've written a book that he actually will read. He's not, <laughs> he's not a reader. So uh, I, I intentionally wrote the chapters shorter because I don't like to get to the place where you you know you want to go to bed at night and there's like 400 pages left in the chapter. I no. like mine to hit quick and then have a hook. So people are like, oh gosh, just one more. Just one That's more. That's what I love about yeah, James <laughs> Patterson all. You're yeah, <laughs> good job. Totally. So yeah, so basically this really flows into the next question I wanted to ask too. You know, talk to us about some audio best practices. Like what does an author need to know to create a quality audiobook? I think they need to know a good producer, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and and that's where it all begins. Is some a good either a good voiceover artist or a good producer? Because just like with uh, writing, you you don't know until you start the process. And somebody like that, a, a good uh, somebody with a talent for it who's done it before, can save you a lot of headache and heartache and give you some good advice. Other than that, of course, again, read your book out loud before you ever. Uh, do it in audio format because you might start re doing some rewrites like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. That's really important. I'm finding out from people is they're just doing it, reading it out loud. And, and of course the quality and the passion has to be there uh, for sure. But it's, it's basic. And I don't mean to sound like that's the, but that is the short answer. If you have somebody who can help you, you don't have to worry about the rest. I do encourage people if they, if they want to read their own book. In fact, we have a service that we started here where we, it's, it's a little less expensive that we work with the authors who want to read their own books. You know, there's some things to consider. You don't have to just, I mean, it, it does not qualify you or you, it doesn't mean you're going to have a good audiobook If you have a good voice, 
you're 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 in the entertainment industry. You you've you've been there, and you chose somebody else, which is interesting because you could have read your own book. Uh, <laughs> it is a labor of love. It takes a long time. You have to have a good quiet place in your house, or you can rent out some space. You either have to hire a, an engineer, sound engineer, somebody who can operate some equipment. But the the service we offer is if you, you know, we teach people, we tell them what equipment to get, we give them a checklist. You can even find that on Audible or Amazon's um, wish list there for audiobook production. <laughs> and uh, you can get that. And then uh, we, we will do the editing. If, if you want us to, we'll do uh, the mastering and help with the upload and the rest of the process, make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed with your audiobook production. But so I encourage people to, to, if that's something they'd like to look into, think it through, know that it's going to be a lot of work and just listen, record just a little bit. You can do this on your iPhone, record just a little bit, read your best, play it back and see what it sounds like. And then if you think it sounds good, ask your husband or wife or best friend or, or somebody maybe that you work with or, or, you know, go jogging with or whatever. What does this sound like to you? And you'll get the honest feedback. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Yes. Yes. That's, that's really great advice. My narrator is, her name is Amanda Lamb and mm -hmm. she records the file. She's got a little studio downstairs in her, in her basement. So she has all the equipment. And then, then I do have to get her files mastered. She sends them to me as she records them. And then I, I check them to make sure something isn't missed or they're in the right order or what have you. And then, and then afterwards I have to get the bulk mastered yeah. because sound is paramount when it comes to an audiobook um, and and you can't just do it on your iPhone like you said you really do need people to assist you yes yeah yeah now when an author comes to you and they would like to make an audiobook like what what can they bring to the table when they reach out to you to make your job easier it, it begins with a really good manuscript that's already finished as we talked about mm -hmm. and their passion and good questions again um, it's, it's really, it's, it's a simple, not easy, but simple process. Uh, if you have the manuscript and you have a good producer, uh, at least with Skydance Mountain Audiobooks with, with my company, it, it really, I, I am amazed and feel, have a lot of gratitude for the authors who've come to us because they just trust us with the process. Mm -hmm. You know, we make sure that we ask them, but it's not, it's not rocket science at all. If you have a good, again, a good manuscript to, uh, to work from. Um, that's about it. I, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they need. That's perfect. And word of mouth is so very important. When you do a good job with the work that you're doing, people yeah. will spread the word and people will come to you based on the work you've done for other people. So I, you know, I imagine that's, that's probably, that's why we're talking today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you know, so basically an author would come to you, just, they would do some research on your website. They would choose like a package or which option they think would work best for them. You do a consultation with them mm -hmm. and, and talk them through things. And then you're going forward. You know, you are able to connect authors with professional voiceover talent to narrate their projects. You also do sound and uh, music or sound effects and music, which is pretty cool. Uh, how do you, how do you help authors connect the right voice to their to their books. That's a good question. I do ask them up front who who do you picture, you know, whether it's somebody from Hollywood or a rock star or or you know somebody that you've seen on TV. Who do you picture reading? Is this little Little House on the Prairie? Is this Laura Ingalls Wilder? Is it Andy Griffith? Is it you know you can kind of sense by what they say. And if they don't know, then you can I will make suggestions and and say well let let me just send you a 
a uh, sample or a, a demo and and most of the time they they like it again i'm i'm surprised how many people because they haven't done the process they just trust us to do it which puts a lot more responsibility in our hands and we want to you know earn that respect and, and that trust it's fantastic. And uh, I galloped around your website, obviously, preparing for the interview. And, and you have samples up there where authors can go and listen to some of the chapters of audiobooks you've created. So if you want to you know, get an idea for what they sound like, you can go right there and check it out yeah. on the website. I'm glad you mentioned that part, too, because I wanted to talk about, I think just before the show, we talked a little bit about the fact that uh, Skydance Mountain Audiobooks is in a little bit of a transition, a growth transition, where we're reaching out to more narrators right now. I mentioned over 2 million voiceover actors out there in 160 countries. And we want to eliminate that, that immensely overwhelming task and, and knock it down to a couple dozen. Mm -hmm. And so we're right now expanding our talent pool and uh, we will have a voiceover artist that you can, that will suggest to you. And then uh, it should make your job easier in looking for somebody. That is now, so our job, our job too. <laughs> yeah, that is so great. I'm sending Amanda your way so you can connect oh, with her and, and maybe there's you. an opportunity there because I think you would get along really, really well. She's fantastic. And then, I love it. yes, this is awesome. Supporting each other, small businesses yes. unite. What, what do you think makes for a good audiobook? What, I mean, I, I mean, obviously we talked about sound, but like how important is, or sound quality, how important are like music and sound effects. I mean, or is it, or is it really just getting the right voice acting out the, the novel or the, the book? Music and sound effects, if you're going to do an enhanced audiobook, I should mention it's, it's a little bit more expensive, mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit more expensive because of the time involved, but it is much more three-dimensional, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the, how important is that? If, you, if I played you a, a video of a building falling down, being blown up, and we we used destructive music and and awesome, you know awe inspiring intense you know just scary music. It would look appropriate if I played "Happy Birthday to You" happening while that the building's falling down. You get the picture, right? It does have to line up. There is there is a, the need for the the proper mood and uh, feel for the the music and sound to line up. But as far as the the overall quality, what what I think makes a good audiobook is a passion. It's got to be a good book to begin with. Although, have you heard of ASMR? Uh, can't remember what that, it's this, it's like a brain massage. Some people, some people listen to music or, or words at night, not music, but listen to, you can go on YouTube and you'll hear people. And it's just this little brain massage that is, it's a scientifically proven thing. Anyway, if, if somebody has a mesmerizing voice and it's a bad story, you can read me the phone book and I don't care. <laughs> you know, so, but as far as a book itself is concerned, it, it's got to have to me at least passion and, and be a good story. And then of course, a good, good narrator, a good voiceover mm -hmm. actor and the quality sound quality is really important because it could be distracting otherwise. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I once I read this series. Uh, I won't mention the name. It's back uh, years ago that I loved this. It was a thriller series. And the author, I, I thought when it came out on audiobook, I listened to it on audiobook and the author had the worst voice in the whole world. And I loved the series and I hated the audiobook. I had, I had to just stop listening. Oh, uh, and it was so funny. And it was a big author, a big name author, too. And I was really surprised because, you know, it would be really hard to mess up your own audiobook, but it just, it was bad. <laughs> wow. And that's why working with a professional that can give you a, an array of options to help you choose the right sort of voice for your book really 
really makes a difference because the listening yeah. is a whole different realm and a new experience. I wanted to mention too, I mean, obviously walk authors through the whole process, but you were actually able to help them load, uh, load the, like you provide files, you provide a physical audiobook if, if people want that. And then you're able to help them get, get the files loaded onto these various distribution sites. Can you talk a little bit about what that, you know, those services that you offer there, what, what you have? Yes, yeah. So it can be a little daunting. Again, if you're not a technical person, uh, the the sound specs for audiobooks uh, for Audible, and I'm I'm guessing with Find Away Voices too, mm-hmm. is because uh, I've always o- uploaded to Audible first and then use those same sound files. And I'm doing this in a studio, a music studio that I've worked in for years, and I've had the sound turned back because it was just a hair off. I mean, they their specs are in a very narrow, narrow spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so that part's got to be done right, uh, right from the beginning. Also, the audiobook artwork can't you can't just put up your your rectangular book. It's got to be in a square at 2400 by 2400 pixels. And so we will create, you know, from here, if we have all your artwork files, um, we'll turn it into an audiobook cover as well. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about that. If you don't have your files broken separated into layers. We get creative. We figure out a way to do it and make it still look like your book. Uh, so far, we haven't been stumped yet. <laughs> a little challenge, but not stumped. And so those two, those two things, right up off the start, make what we do we think of value because people don't have to worry about that. You know, they Audible will turn ACX, I should say, will return it to you. And it takes a while. You might think, oh, good, I've got my book uploaded, and then. They come back rejected. And so it's important to have somebody who knows what they're doing do that part as well. There's nothing more frustrating than having something you think is going to go waiting for that approval process and then having it rejected because like one file did something funny. So it's, it's nice to be able to put that in someone's hands. I can manage all that stuff right from the (laughs) get-go. Yes. Yes. Although that being said, it's very important for the author to have listened to the project um, all the way through every detail. Don't don't trust us on that because we don't yeah. know for sure. We I've, I've missed things. <laughs> well, anyway, that's another story. For no, some, that, that's some no, that's true. An author should always listen to the final product. Don't just say, "Oh, it's good to go." Just like when we get our, our first pre- preview paperbacks back, you know, you need to go through it and read it again because things get missed. It's just yes. the nature of dealing with a book and that many yes. works. It just happens. Yeah. You know, and Carly, that's why I respect authors so much. Uh, I've written one book and that hasn't even been published. It was the uh, guy, a Jeep guide, green Jeep tourist guide for uh, Rocky mountain national park on the side in the summertime for a few months and just part-time. And uh, I had done it so many times. I, I thought, you know, just uh, old fall river road, I'd done 365 uh, times. And I said, you know what? I could write about this. And I wrote the, the book and, and the, um, owner bought it for her guides. It's a guidebook for guides. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is a lot of work. It had pictures involved. And I am so inspired. I have a couple other books that are fiction right now that I'm working on. You know, I'm in awe of you guys who are writers and and authors and who've actually done it from start to finish with your published books. So I really highly respect those who can go through this whole process and check mark those details and come out with a a perfect product or even one that's close. Yeah. So hats off to you guys. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, You're so awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I, even, you know, the best published books that are out there, like there is no software that fixes these everything, you know, like I read books that I bought, you know, I buy wherever and and there's always a little hiccup, maybe one somewhere. It's just, 
it just is the nature of the business, but you can get it as close to perfect as you can by doing the work and reading right. or listening to something before it goes, you know, don't hit publish until you've double checked, double checked, double checked. Yes. And even then you don't know. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> How does the physical audiobook side work? Like what can an author get on that side that they could take to book signings and things like that? So, so they'll come in, depending on how long your book is, they come in a CD set. And um, that requires a little bit more because you have to have to have the artwork again for the, for the cover. And uh, you have, it depends on how many you want to have manufactured. It's, it's, a, it's a lot pricier than just having an audio book, but um, it is a nice, we're getting less and less requests for that these days because it's so, they're so accessible on your iPhone, but it is a nice, I don't know. I love going into Barnes and Noble or other places and smelling a book, feeling, and even, even CDs, there's something different about owning this than something that could go away on the internet if I don't have service or whatever. Totally. Phone crashes. So it's not that we don't recommend it, but it, it's something that's done less. But it's it's the the sound quality is the same. The uh, the process is the same until you come to replicating the the discs themselves and and printing the artwork. Yeah, that's really neat. That's like a neat bonus that you can have for super fans or people that want audio to take. If you do a lot of yes. a lot of book signings, it's definitely something to consider. Um, so that's really cool. Now, you know, you know I was going to say what else it, it, it does make nice gifts at Christmas time for mm -hmm. family or whatever, because it's again, a tangible product as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that just hit me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've gotten that, you know, lots of times, you know, sometimes your storage fills up and you have to move things off or do things. And, you know, it's like my, you know, my mom's like, I want to listen to it again. I don't know what I did with it. Mm -hmm. You know? So if I gave her one of those, she would, she would be covered, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. that would be very neat. And then you mentioned too that uh, a lot of a lot of your clients come from word of mouth because of the great work you've done with other authors. Is there anything else that you're doing to market your company and get the word out? I mean, obviously, being on this podcast is is part of a strategy. But what? How are you connecting with people or getting the word out about the great work you're doing? Honest to goodness, I have not worked as hard on that as I need to, and <laughs> it recently came to my attention myself that we really need to work more on the marketing side. I'm a creative. And so I'm, I'm working on getting that word out. I mentioned we are expanding mm -hmm. right now. I, we just put together a Facebook page uh, that, that it, it, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and I do have an Instagram page as well, but it has been word of mouth so far. And, and, you know, it, it, up until this point that's worked okay, but okay, isn't good enough for us anymore. We want to really get the word out. So can you ask me that in a few months? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. Thank you. I do believe in the importance of that, especially for our authors. I mentioned we're, we're expanding our, our narrator pool, our voiceover voice actors pool. We have this family of authors that we want to keep in the family uh, or at least, you know, take good care of them like we would a family. And so we're putting a, a store up where each of their books can be sold here too for a very small percent on our part. We really want the author to keep it. But I think it would help Skydance Mountain audiobooks as well, because that's where if we have more people coming. And again, in these few niches that I mentioned, the equestrian, uh, Western, uh, personal, uh, gro personal growth, self-help, memoirs and history and spiritual. Uh, those are the, the categories that we've seemed to attract and uh, would love to do more of. Not that it's close to others, but that's our that's been our 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 family so far. Yeah, your wheelhouse. So anyway, that, <laughs> it's a good yes, wheelhouse. Yeah, it's yeah. a good wheelhouse. <laughs> exactly. Good. I like that. A wheelhouse. Thank you, Carly. Yeah. So <laughs> putting up a store there as well, and then start uh, driving traffic to that store would be part of our marketing plan here coming up soon. 
Very cool. Yeah. It's like you have a catalog of all the th- all the projects you've worked on and they can buy direct right from there. It makes total sense. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Now, I like to ask this question because everybody has a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, for you, what has been the best part of being a cre- creative business owner? But then on the flip side, what's been the most challenging part? I know you mentioned a little bit about getting up to speed with the marketing, but, but best and worst. I think the best part for me is nobody telling me what to do. I get to get up in the morning and go right to work. And uh, it just, you know, I can set and order my day and be creative as, as much as I want. As far as the worst part, I think it's because nobody's telling me what to do. <laughs> and I have to figure out what, I, what has to be done. And we were talking about marketing just a little before this. And, you know, sometimes you need a board member or somebody looking over your shoulder saying, hey, what about this? What about this? So that's that's probably the hardest part of my uh, working as an entrepreneur is just having the wisdom, listening and and seeking, you know, good advice and and figuring it out. Mm Because, as you know, things go wrong. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, it's that, that drive, you have to, you have to have a drive, I think, to be an entrepreneur. And and you obviously have that. It's wonderful not to have someone looking over your shoulder, but you have to strive and drive and really enjoy what you're doing, I think, to to make it really, really work. And, and it's clearly working for you. I love that. Thank you. And is there any advice you would give yourself before, or, you know, is there anything you would do differently before you produced your first bit of audio into the world? Is there something that you wished you had known? Yeah, that's, I love that question. Start earlier. I, well, and I, I, as I told you, I did, but I didn't follow my inner dream, my inner passion for that. I, you know, I, I tend to be a people pleaser mm-hmm. just by nature. I'm, I'm an easygoing guy, laid back. I want everybody to be happy. Ask my wife, you know, it's my, my job is to make sure everybody's getting along. And so uh, I would be easily redirected if the path wasn't laid out right before me or if somebody didn't say hey that's great you ought to do it i wish i had just listened to my heart and followed that right from the beginning Uh, so that's that's my answer that's fantastic so something's calling you forward go and grab it now don't wait 10 years right so exactly and and we're going to mess up fail forward just learn from it you you learn by failing Uh, that's the only way you're going to learn and so uh you know Back then, we did have audiobooks, uh, just like books on tape, like cassette tape, if anybody remembers what those sounded like. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah. I, in fact, when I was a, a little, little kid, my parents bought me one of those boxes. And now I'm really dating myself. It was a record player that came in a little, like a suitcase. And you I had one up. of those. I had did one of really? those. Yeah. Aww, yeah, yeah. I loved that thing. And in fact, I've rediscovered, I used to listen to Tailspinners all the time. I don't know if you remember the fairy tales, but they had Rip Van Winkle and Beauty and the Beast and also Columbus and Sinbad and all those. But I would listen to them over and over and over again. And again, there was that sign that that was something that was a passion to me. And I rediscovered some of them on YouTube late uh, recently. And it just took me back to my early you know, boyhood days listening to that. Now, I wish I had just stuck with that because that I, I, I love creating content. I love working with other people. And I would have a much bigger um, backlist now if I had started a long time ago. But it's never too late to start, you know? So never now you're, you're living the dream and now you're creating those kind of moments that you had as, as a young man for, for a new generation and you're working with independent authors, helping them bring their dreams to life. I mean, how that has yeah. to be so rewarding. Yeah. And I do want to say this for somebody that just heard what I just said. Yeah. I wish I had, but you, as they say, you should never 
should on yourself. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. should. I should have. Uh, you know what? Life is this broken road has brought me right where I'm supposed to be. And I, I recognize that. And so, like you said, it's never too late. Now's the time. And the wisdom and, uh, and the technology is here now that makes it so much easier. Oh, definitely. I mean, where would we be without technology? I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. It's just incredible yeah. that we can do this. It's, yes. It's so amazing. Now, is there, this is a sneaky question, is there anything a listener might be surprised to learn about you? Like, do you always ride in chaps or uh, do you have a favorite hat or? What a fun question. <laughs> uh, so yeah, here's one and I'm, I'm not real proud of it. But I used to be a country music snob. I hated country music. I was a musician. I got into music. We actually moved to Nashville. I moved to Nashville back in the 90s and started a, a independent Christian record label. We got distribution. Things were going great. And I, I loved rock and roll. I loved pop. I loved Christian music. I hated country music. So one day we're working in this, in this is quad studios. And, uh, you know, I'm taking notes as a production assistant for this project. And somebody sticks their head in the, the studio and says, Johnny Cash is in the building. And I was like, I looked up and it was like, poof, everybody was gone. I was like, Shh. that now that's my bigger regret that I didn't go to meet Johnny Cash. Oh, you didn't go anyway? Oh I know. Goodness. I look, that's what kind of a country music snob I was. I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but that's, that's probably, yeah, something that most people wouldn't know about me. That's but I'm definitely a, I'm surprising. <laughs> yes. Now I'd be the first in line. I, I mean, I so respect that guy. Yeah, that is, <laughs> and that is country crazy. music. I love, you know, the new country music and Rascal Flats and, uh, you know, that that sound. I just do. I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to ask you, you love it now, right? You keep, I like, do. The cowboy, the horses, the West. Oh, and my the, goodness. The country music, that's so funny. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, and, our culture back in Maryland was different from the culture out here. And I just associated it with something that I didn't know anything about. True that, you know, and I, you're not alone. Uh, back in the day in the you know 90s, I didn't like country music either. Like everybody was listening to Garth Brooks and I was like, oh no. I was like alternative rock and, you know, uh-huh. and uh, rock and roll and, and all that sort of stuff. And then, but, but then now I love it, you know? So yep. it's like tastes change, you know, t- tastes change, but that, that thing, that thing that calls you for it, I think is kind of always there. Carly, so. we we evolved. <laughs> we evolved. We, did. we evolved. I couldn't leave you hanging. I had to share that yeah. I had the same experience Thank you. too. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. What are you curious about? Like, what's next? I mean, you're already podcasting. You're developing your dream company. You're working with creatives on a daily basis. You you're your own boss. Like, what's next? Do you, any big things you're curious about? Are you going to make a movie? <sighs> I, I would love to. I actually would love to make this. So. Up in Rocky Mountain National Park, just in our, just west of where I live, right here in Colorado, uh, is 416 most beautiful, uh, you know, 416 square miles of beautiful acreage that you'll ever find, and it's just a, a wonderland there. And they had back in 1914, just before uh, Rocky Mountain National Park was made into a, a officially made a national park in 1915, they brought some Arapaho Indians from the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming down to uh, go on a pack trip on horseback throughout the what's, what was proposed to be the park and tell the names of the mountains and the places. They talked about a potential uh, Bigfoot sighting. They found, you know, their great-great-grandfather had found two-foot track, human tracks, and it's on Giant Track Mountain now. There's just so many stories that they told of battles with the Apaches and battles with the Shoshone and it were the Blackfeet. It was incredible. And I just think that would be a great movie. I would love to make 
a semi-documentary, you know, a movie about that. Uh, so yeah, thanks for asking. That's that's one of many, many. Problem with asking me that question is I'm curious about everything. Yeah. <laughs> personal growth, personal growth is a big thing right now on both Melissa and my uh, bucket list is just to learn as much as we can about how to be the best version of ourselves. Mm. And your horses, I'm cer certain, are helping you on that journey. Oh, I know they my do goodness. for me. They yeah. do. They teach us so much. Oh, so They're much, so much, so much about like how we're conducting ourselves in our energy. And what I notice is like, they let me know when I'm rushing, you know, like we all yeah. rush, we rush so much. And I, they, the horse, I find the horses slow me down. So mm, that's yeah. like a, that's like a cool little component, but your documentary sounds fantastic. Oh, I, I that's a bucket list. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you sound a lot like me. It's like, there's so many things that I'd like to do in so little time, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, this conversation has like completely excited me. I really like your energy. You have been so Thank fun you. to talk to. Uh, can you let listeners know where they can find out more information about you and your audiobook production services? Yes, yeah, easy, long words. Skydance Mountain, audio, Skydance is one word. M Mountain is another audiobooks. But if you go on skydancemountainaudiobooks.com, you'll find us skydancemountainaudiobooks.com and go check out their packages i like i said earlier i took a look at your website and i think your offerings are fantastic and reasonable uh and you know audio is the future so i'm i'm glad i now know you and can direct people your way thank you carly i really appreciate that that's the <laughs> best part about doing this job is that we get to meet new people who have very similar passions. I love it. I love Absolutely. it so much. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you for the gift of your time, Brett. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Carly. Bless you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle. <laughs>